You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCrary, your host, and I'm also the leader for the Adult Explore the Bible team. Today, I'm being joined by David Briscoe, who's one of the content editors on the adult team, and we're looking at session eight for the fall 2020 study of Isaiah, and session eight is about Isaiah 40. David, first of all, thank you for being with us. Uh, You were here early in our study, and now you've joined us back again uh, here for session eight, so thank you for being here today with me. Glad to be here. Session eight is a study of Isaiah 40, verses 18 through 31. The Outline follows these three breaks. First of all, living, sovereign creator, and tireless source. Uh, That first one, living, looks at verses 18 through 20. In those two verses, Isaiah declared that idols are no comparison to God, since idols are nothing more than human creations without power to even stand on their own. The second section in this outline that we are using for this study is verses 21 through 26, uh, and that's entitled Sovereign Creator. In this section, Isaiah identified God as the creator and sovereign ruler of his creation. He challenged others to look to the stars and understand the magnitude of God. The last section, verses 27 through 31, we've entitled Tireless Source. In these verses, Isaiah proclaimed that God as creator is capable of providing strength to those who place their hope in him. Isaiah explained that God's people would be able to accomplish God's purposes through the strength he gives them. Now, that's just a quick walkthrough of the verses that we'll be looking at, verses 18 through 31. Uh, Dave and I are going to look at some key ideas here and try to help us think through some things in this passage. First thing, David, I want to point out is in the personal study guide, the daily discipleship guide, and the leader guide, there's a Bible skill. And that Bible skill asks us to compare uh, Isaiah 40, 21 to Job 12, 7 through 9, and Romans 1, 20 through 23. Help, help us think about what doing that, what that comparison is going to teach us. One, one of the, uh, the great principles of hermeneutics uh, is to, uh, where possible, and in many places it is possible, you, you let the Bible help you interpret the Bible. And that's particularly interesting where you have uh, certainly New Testament passages that help us understand Old Testament passages and vice versa. So, in this particular Bible skill, you have uh, three passages that you want to look at. And one is Isaiah 40, verse 21. So just quickly, the background of Isaiah 40 is that this is where, in, in chapters 40 through 66, Isaiah is foreseeing uh, Israel's life after the destruction of Jerusalem, way after Isaiah's own life ends, but after the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C., and then 70 years of exile in the land of Babylon. And so Isaiah is foreseeing a time where uh, the Lord is, uh, is now saying through Isaiah that the people have paid their dues. In other words, they have uh, learned what they needed to learn uh, in that experience of losing the promised land and and being in captivity. All right, so Job chapter 12, uh, verses 7 through 9, 
the background there is Job is in the in the throes of his personal crises. You know, he lost his family, he lost his possessions, his property, and uh, lost his health. And so he has these friends, three friends who who came to <laughs> minister to him. Friends, yeah, they're very helpful friends. Right. Uh, <laughs> and and turns out that they're they're more accusers than they are friends. And so one of them's name was Zophar. And Zophar basically just accused Job of daring to seek God's wisdom concerning his situation. I mean, that's when you when you think about that, why why wouldn't a person seek God's wisdom concerning a situation? But uh, to Zophar, that was something that was almost heretical. And then in Romans chapter 1, verses 20 to 23, Paul is, is writing to the Romans, and he's talking about the accountability of both Jews and Gentiles for sin and guilt. And so one, one of the things, as you read through and study those three passages, and they're, they're brief passages, so all of these passages point to the reality of God. How? Well, all of them call to mind that creation itself reveals a certain level of knowledge about the Creator. If you just look around you at the creation, you gain through sight, through thinking, through uh, observation and experience, you gain a certain level of knowledge about the Creator, about the one who did this. And so that's why Paul wrote in Romans 1.20, you can see God's eternal power. You can see God's divine nature in the beauty and the order and the wisdom. So what we can learn in comparing uh, and contrasting these passages is number one, God's creative. And two, God is all powerful. So there's no circumstance that can happen that is greater than him. God created everything. If you think about the fact that God created all the stars, controls them, uh, orders them here and there, God is above it. God is in control. And so then the third thing it teaches us is that God deeply wants us, desires us to know him, to know him truthfully, to know him intimately. And he wants us to trust him. Uh, to know that he loves us and that uh, because he made us and he gave his son to die for us. So if we can learn anything, it is that this God who created everything, including the stars of the sky and the viruses that, uh, that disrupt our lives, God wants us to look at those things and to know him better and to trust him that he has our best interest in mind. He's in control. He will bring things about uh, in his plan. In, in this context, uh, he's talking to folks who are going to be in exile when he's sharing this in chapter 40, because chapter 40 is, the, is part of the, the new, um, or the looking forward. Uh, yeah, you're looking part, ahead part of Isaiah. Mm -hmm. And so them being reminded, hey, you're in exile, but God's still in control would have been significant. And it's the same for us in that sense. God's exactly. still in control. It doesn't matter what's going on. He's still in control. Verse 31 here, David, the CSB translates that the word trust in the Lord 
the NIV says hope in the Lord. The King James says wait. Other translations have different variations of it. So you've got three different words, trust, hope, and wait, all translated from the same word. Help, help us understand why we would have three different uh, translations uh, here on, the, in, on verse uh, 31 of chapter 40. The Hebrew word that is in Isaiah 40, 31, uh, the word kava, uh, does mean to wait for. But, you know, the wor words in, in their nuances of meaning uh, depends on the context they're in. And so we see in Isaiah 40, 31, this uh, idea of waiting on the Lord or trusting in the Lord. Uh, but there's another passage uh, that contains not only this word, kava, but it contains uh, also uh, a more common Hebrew word for trust, and that is the word batak. Uh, and that's in Psalm 40, uh, verses 1 to 3. And so let, let me call attention to that uh, and show how it gives a little bit of that nuance, uh, the context where you would understand it just slightly uh, in a new way, uh, depending on that context. Verse one says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Okay, that's the word, same word that's in Isaiah uh, chapter 40, 31. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and they will trust. That's the other more common Hebrew word for trust, batak. They will trust. So people will see what God is doing in my life and they will be motivated to trust in the Lord. But it took my waiting to let the Lord do his work in and through my life. So that gives us a little bit of a passage where you see both of those ideas and, and why some translations uh, would translate Isaiah 40, 31 as waiting for, but others might uh, translate it as to trust in the Lord. And that, so, that hope, uh, NIV translates it hope, that's really related to the waiting, because you're waiting with the hope of something on the other hand. Exactly. Would that be the best yeah. way to understand that? Yeah, to wait expectantly for the Lord underscores uh, the desire that you have to be obedient to him. It, it isn't complete inactivity. That's sometimes a mistake that people make that, oh, uh, you know, faith in the Lord or waiting on the Lord or hoping in the Lord, that just means I do nothing. No, it doesn't mean that you do nothing, but it means that in the midst of your living your life, you're waiting, you're, you have this hope, you have this trust that God is doing something that isn't yet revealed, but he's going to reveal it. And, it, and when you get out to the other end, and when you see and are able to look back and say, wow, I see what God was doing. I see why he wanted me to go through this experience because it, uh, it helped me in a way that, that maybe nothing else would have helped uh, in order to, and, and so when I trusted the Lord that he was, 
he had me, he had my back. Uh, he had me in his hand and, uh, he wasn't going to let anything happen to me that, that I couldn't endure with, with his, with trusting in him. Uh, and yet when I come out on the other end, I'm able to look back and see that and, uh, and others can see that and it inspires in them. Wow. The Lord is trustworthy. I can trust in the Lord because I see how this person trusted in the Lord and waited on the Lord and was rewarded for that faith. Verse 28, we see this idea that you know, God doesn't get tired. He doesn't get weary, those type of things. And in verse 31, we're told to wait or trust or hope uh, in the Lord. We'll, we'll gain strength. We'll fly like eagles, run and not be tired, won't be weary. Uh, what's the connection between verses 28 and 31 here, David? Well, this is certainly one of my favorite passages in Isaiah, certainly in Isaiah chapter 40. This is the, the culmination. Uh, so verse 28 is about who God is. Uh, look at that. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. That's, that's about who God is. Well, verse 31 then is about how I respond to him based on the truth of who he is. So uh, verse 31 is uh, trusting in the Lord. And when I trust in the Lord, because I, I know who he is and I believe in who he is, I trust in him. And that then gives me strength. We actually and keep in mind that the people of God are in exile. And that's why Isaiah is writing to them this great message of comfort. And he's saying that if you trust in the Lord, you know who he is, you know what he's like, you know, he doesn't get tired. So if you trust in him, then guess what? Your strength will be renewed. And so then he gives these three, three levels and, and they're just great. When you think about, it. you know, there are going to be times when you're, if you're trusting in the Lord, you're, you're really going to be able to just soar above the fray. You're like an eagle soaring on the wind. The Lord is just going to, to, to give you flight, so to speak, uh, above the fray of what's going on going to be other times uh, when you're going to run and not grow weary. Now look, that's the, uh, that's the picture of a marathon runner. That's somebody who's running for a long distance, a long time, and they're in the thick of it, and it's not easy, and there are all kinds of challenges to face, but guess what? You're trusting in the Lord in this time. You, you run, and you just you don't grow weary. Uh, you, you just have strength that is renewed after every mile of the way. But then you've got this last one, walk and not faint. In the scriptures, the idea of walking usually is, uh, is a metaphor for just your everyday living, everyday lifestyle. So, so think about that. There are going to be occasions where you soar above the fray. There are going to be uh, occasions where you're going to have to run like a marathon runner, 
And uh, if you trust in the Lord, you're, you're going to have the strength to just keep on running uh, through a long distance race. But then every day, every day, you wake up to a new day of trusting in the Lord. And whatever that day brings, you're walking with the Lord and you won't faint. You won't give up. That's, that's what happens when you trust in the Lord. Because of who he is, you can trust in him. And when you do, you gain this kind of uh, strength that you never knew. So we, you, we, we kind of become demonstrators of his character. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we sure do. We become, uh, it's like we were talking about earlier in, uh, in Psalm 40, verse 3. People see you, how you endure, and they think, wow. Okay, so that's what it means to trust in the Lord. And that's what happens when you trust in the Lord. You get this strength, uh, whatever your situation, every day. David, thank you for sharing with us today. Those are important insights for us to remember, especially on verse 31, uh, the idea of soaring, running, and walking, uh, and how that applies to our life today. Any other key thoughts or ideas you would share about Isaiah 40? Well, no, it's just one of my favorite passages, and, and I hope that the, uh, the groups that uh, are looking at this uh, on session eight, that they just have a greater time uh, talking about it, applying it to their lives uh, that I've had as I have studied this again and again throughout my Christian life. Thank you for listening to us today, and we hope you'll encourage other teachers to tune in next week as we look at session nine. We'll be looking at Isaiah 46 along the theme of God Acts.